Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the Lessons from Lab and Life podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Morrison, and I hope that our podcast offers you some new perspective. In this episode, we'd like to encourage you to nominate yourself or someone you know for the 2019 Passion in Science Awards. 2019 will mark the third round of the awards, which recognize those in various fields of science dedicated to making a difference. Today, I'm joined by Andy Bertera, who's the Executive Director of Marketing and Sales at New England Biolabs. Andy's going to share with us a bit more about the Passion in Science Awards and introduce us to some of the winners from the 2014 and 2016 awards. Hi, Andy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Lydia. It's a pleasure to be here. So I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about how the Passion in Science Awards um, hosted by New England Biolabs was conceived. Yeah, happy to. So the Passion in Science Awards actually goes back to 2013. Uh, At that particular time, we were contemplating what to do for New England Biolabs' uh, 40th uh, anniversary. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, there were lots of good ideas. Should we have a big party? Should we go out and uh, have uh, an advertising campaign to tell the world about all the great things we've done? But when we thought about those different ideas, they didn't really feel like they were us. Mm. Uh, NEB's corporate values, as you might be aware, are humility, passion, and being genuine. And all those ideas, particularly a party, didn't really feel being very humble. One of the values is passion, and particularly passion for science. Mm. And as a consequence with that, we thought, well, really we should involve more science and more of our customers in celebrating this uh, award. So the idea was conceived to try and identify customers who shared those values with us that we could really celebrate the achievements they've made more than just celebrating our own sort of 40th birthday party. What a great way to be able to recognize the efforts that our customers put into their science and how dedicated they are to their work while being able to celebrate them in a way that reflects the values of New England Biolabs. It was. It was a truly, uh, I mean, the actual events that we've had have been really inspiring. It, uh, you know, seeing some of the people that uh, won these awards and getting to know them as individuals and seeing the work they were doing was uh, truly, truly awe-inspiring. It must have had a big impact on uh, the employees of New England Biolabs. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, how people felt about having these um, customers, these individuals visit the company? Yes, definitely. I mean, we tried to involve as many of the NEB staff in the whole process as we could. So uh, NEB staff were actually involved in uh, reading the different submissions for the awards and actually voting for them. So it wasn't like a high-powered committee uh, making decisions. It was actually involving as many as the team as we could. And then the actual awards themselves, we had the uh, awardees come to our headquarters in Ipswich, Massachusetts, and actually either give presentations or talk about the good work they were doing. And as many of the companies we could were invited to that uh, uh, series of presentations so they could actually hear about all the great work these individuals were doing. So as I said, I I personally found it uh, inspiring, but I think I can speak for most of the company that they also did. Yeah, I... uh I was at the 2016 Passion and Science Awards, and it's funny because certainly they were all inspiring. It's amazing what people have been able to accomplish in their careers, some of them very early in their careers. And so it is certainly inspiring um, and offers uh, a certain level, I think, of perspective because you, you walk out of that room thinking like, wow, what an am- what amazing things these individuals have accomplished. Yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, one of our values is humility, and uh, it was very humbling. You know, Absolutely. Uh, you know, you, get, you go home uh, at the, in the evening and you put your feet up and watch the television or whatever, and you're thinking, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be trying to do something that these great individuals are doing, or maybe even a, a small percentage of it, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Could you describe the different categories of the Passion in Science Awards? Yes, happy to. We have uh, four categories that uh, form the uh, awards. Uh, the first one is science mentorship. Uh, this is about individuals who, uh, in addition to just teaching, have a certain way of trying to encourage and uh, excite individuals in different areas of science. Mm-hmm. The next one is the environment, which is uh, an important area to uh, NEB in terms of some of the activities we do to, to reduce our environmental impact and footprint. The third one is humanitarian causes where a researcher may be, I don't know, studying the cause of a certain cancer or something like that, but then they're also trying to help, uh, unfortunately, patients or family associated with those diseases. Mm. And then the last one is arts. Uh, this one, perhaps, you know, uh, is always a question about is it an art, is it a science? What we're trying to do here is actually realize that the two come very closely together, and there's some excellent artists who are also fantastic scientists. So, Andy, could you share with us some of the stories that stand out in your memory from the winners from 2014 and 2016? That's a tough one. Uh, everyone's stories were unique and uh, you know worthy of their own uh, mention. But a few that uh, definitely stick in my memory, one from 2014, Shelley Shear, who was at the time at uh, UT University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, you mentioned the word stories there, and I think she was uh, gave a, a fantastic way of actually telling her story. She, at the time, was studying neglected tropical diseases and actually used something called sand art to actually tell her story. So the best way to describe this is if you imagine a tray of sand above a light box, and then she was using her hand and other tools to basically you know, animate a story. In this case, how uh, a mother was actually and a child were actually infected with these, uh, this particular disease and how she was sort of coping with that. And it was uh, just a very creative way of telling uh, a moving story with a scientific backdrop. Let's have a listen to part of the presentation Shelley gave when she was visiting New England Biolabs for the Passion in Science Award Ceremony. The award, the Passion in Science Award in Arts and Creativity, really holds a special place in my heart. Um, so I'm currently pursuing to become a doctor, but my inspiration actually came from volunteering as a young artist um, during high school in a hospital. Um, through visiting various units in the hospital and drawing over 700 portraits for patients and uh, families, I have encountered and witnessed uh, overflowing joy of mothers while they're holding their newborns. And I have witnessed um, excitement of elderly as they find finally finding someone to chat with. And at the same time, I've also witnessed conflicted feelings of family members as they watch their loved ones um, suffering and battling the serious illnesses, as well as the grief of mothers losing their children. Um, Through this experience, I learned the importance of um, hope and courage, and the importance of meeting people and connecting with them on a deeper level. And also, um, as important, I learned the power of art. Um, to not only represent the objects and their physical beauty, but also they really have a power to convey a message, to heal patients, and to be a medicine. Can you tell us about another one of your favorites? Certainly. One of probably the most moving stories was the story that uh, Paul McDonald told us. Uh, He's actually at uh, Virginia Tech. And he was involved uh, with two other authors, but he was actually the only scientific advisor to the uh, vice chief of staff of the Army. 
And what his uh, work was to actually analyze uh, various factors in a, in a database of individuals from the army to try and identify individuals at risk, in particular uh, individuals who were at risk of suicide. And I remember very well he told uh, you know the audience, NEB staff, about uh, the work he was doing, and it was it was very emotional. He was he was emotional, and there was this period of silence basically while he was trying to compose himself to tell the next story. But it was just really impactful and uh, I think uh, highlighted his own passion for this, uh, this subject matter, which was obviously outside of his sort of core research area. So while we made a lot of recommendations and the suicide rate has come down um, in the active duty, there's still Guard and Reserve forces that are struggling and there's still a lot of people that don't know where to go to get help. Are there any other winners from the 2014 Passion in Science Awards that you'd like to highlight? Another one I'd highlight was actually Laurie Baker. Uh, she's actually, incidentally, also from Texas at uh, Baylor University. And I think uh, her story is really one about passion. If I call correctly, uh, she was a mother and uh, talked about uh, her work to actually try and identify human remains that were actually found in pauper's graves close to the uh, border with, uh, with Mexico in Texas. And she was using uh, human identity uh, techniques, you know, forensics techniques to actually identify those individuals and really bring, bring some closure to those uh, parents or individuals, of relatives rather, of the individuals that had actually gone missing. Uh, I remember she actually said something along the lines of uh, parents had come to her and say, now I have a place to be with my son or daughter. And it really showed that, you know, the work she was doing had meaning, you know, not just to her, but uh, to the uh, individuals she was trying to support. My training is in ancient DNA. If you can do something from a 70,000-year-old bison, can you possibly look at this 14-year-old bone? Because we need to identify this person that died in a, um, a conflict situation. And so the more I did that, the more interesting and enriched I felt. And which presentations from 2016 really stand out in your mind? Again, there are a number. One that I particularly enjoyed was uh, interacting with Chris Martin, who's actually from uh, Bucknell University in uh, Pennsylvania. If I recall correctly, uh, Chris is actually uh, a plant biologist, but also uh, a sort of uh, botanist. And uh, as he said himself, it's easy to get uh, his students to touch screens, you know, on their computers and, uh, and um, mobile devices. But what he wanted to do was to get them to get out in the wilderness and actually touch plants. And he came up with, uh, obviously, field trips and things, that you, as you might expect, but also developed a YouTube series that he actually called Plants Are Cool Too. And I think what uh, really uh, I enjoyed uh, when I interacted with Chris was his enthusiasm for the uh, subject, which was really contagious and contagious to his students. Yeah, he's a very animated character. Yeah, definitely. All right, so I want you to imagine that you're going uh, to a party, and it's not that much of a fun party. It's a party where um, you don't know anybody. You walk in the door. You don't recognize a face. You don't know anybody's names. They don't know your name. This is a party where you feel really uncomfortable. It's hard to imagine that this is a place where you want to spend much time. You don't feel invested. You feel awkward, maybe even intimidated, maybe even a little bit afraid, right? It's not a place that you um, feel like uh, you belong to, right? Now, I want you to imagine another party that's kind of the opposite, right? Maybe you go down the street or something. And you walk into that 
party. And when you come in the door, everybody yells your name. They all know you. You know all of them. You recognize all the faces. You feel immediately like this is a place where you belong. This is your place. You might be invested in it immediately, right? It's a place where you want to hang out, spend some time. You're not intimidated. You feel really comfortable. I start with that comparison of disparate types of parties every fall in my non-majors botany class at Bucknell. Um, and they don't mind imagining parties, right? especially the good kind, right? And what I tell those students is that the sad truth is that many of us are walking through the natural world as if we're at the first kind of party. It's a place where we don't know a lot of the other guests, right? We don't feel that comfortable there. It feels sort of scary and unknown, maybe even unknowable, right? Threatening in some way. And what I ask them to do is sort of stick with me. And as they take this course, and maybe another course with me later, they begin to feel a little more comfortable in that natural world and begin to feel a little bit more like they're at a party where they know more of the guests, right? We haven't touched on the environmental stewardship category yet. Is there uh, an individual who stands out in your mind? Again, there are a number, uh, but one that does bring to um, the mind is uh, Lisa Anderson, who won the award in 2016. At the time, Lisa was with uh, MIT, and uh, her passion was around educating uh, scientist students, particularly around ways to make the laboratory greener, you know, reduce its environmental impact. Uh, I was surprised by this statistic, but she had uh, uncovered that 22% of lab waste stemmed from laboratory gloves. Wow. I think people put them on, you know, do an experiment, take them off, and then replace them with a fresh pair. Uh, so she looked specifically at different ways she could actually reduce the impact of the laboratory gloves. And she actually diverted, believe it or not, 600 pounds of uh, gloves from landfills uh, in as little as four months. And the way she did that was to actually upcycle them to make, of all things, park benches from these gloves. So every day when I walk into the lab, I think about how do I balance the research that I'm doing, where I'm trying to engineer microbes to make biofuels and chemicals to replace petroleum products to make the world a more sustainable place, with um, being able to do this sustainably and reduce uh, the impact. And so at UC Davis, where I was doing my PhD studying algae biofuels, I became involved with a program um, at UC Davis, which is one of the leaders, I would say, uh, uh, in this front, uh, in where there's a certification program um, for individuals and labs and the community, uh, the campus community as a whole, uh, to assess the impact um, of a laboratory environment. And so this includes things like energy, um, such as the heating and cooling systems, ultra-low temperature freezers, which is common in biological laboratories, um, which can use the amount of energy um, as a single household each day. We can also think about um, waste reduction, so recycling, which is where I have focused some of my efforts, um, which I will get into. Uh, we can think about the transportation and um, the traveling to conferences and how maybe you could um, have conference calls or web conferences as an alternative. Um, water, which is a very important um, issue in California and also Massachusetts this summer. <laughs> Electronics and uh, things like green chemistry and field work. And how about the science and art category? Um, I've definitely 
seen a lot of science and art um, and bio art inspired projects through social media and the news lately. Could you tell us um, which individuals stand out in your mind in the science and art category? Yeah, again, there's a number, but uh, the one I'd reference is actually the uh, uh, Scott Chumaleski, who you actually uh, interviewed very recently for uh, an AB podcast. Uh, and Scott came across, again, as very passionate, and I think his story of seeing art in microbes and microbial growth was just a, a fascinating story. I mean, it's combined to now become almost his career of telling the story of how microbes are actually good, and good not just in a healthy way, but good as, as an art subject as well. Mm. We can find the same beauty in the microbial world all around us, on our own bodies, uh, right here in the New England woods and in our backyards. And one of the reasons for this beauty is, is just the biodiversity of the microbial world. Almost all of the biodiversity on Earth is, is microbes. So Andy, the awards were presented in 2014 as well as 2016. Do we have any plans in the works to hold a third Passion in Science Awards? We certainly do. Uh, 2019 will actually represent the uh, third Passion in Science uh, Awards. Uh, we've been receiving applicants for a few weeks now, but there's still time for anybody who might want to apply for themselves or possibly even uh, apply for a colleague that they believe is um, uh, worthy. So anybody listening to this podcast who would like to actually apply, you can find details at uh, nebpassioninscience.com. Thanks very much. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast and that you're inspired to apply yourself or to nominate a scientist that you know. As Andy mentioned, you can find more details about the awards, the application process, and all the previous award winners at nebpassioninscience.com. And of course, you can check out the transcript of this podcast for that and lots of other helpful links. Be sure to tune in next time when we'll be focusing on practicing sustainable science, because there's no better time than now to be environmentally conscientious about lab practices and lab waste.